You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on Wednesday, November 2nd, Comic Book Day. I get to sit in the big boy chair today with Vince in the high chair. How's it going, buddy? I have no comeback for that right now. <laughs> That's right. You had a hard day. Your brain's not yet working well enough that you can come back with anything. This is actually going to be a, uh, a good show because we have a fantastic interview that we're going to play for you in a few minutes. Now, if you listened to our episode last week, you already know who the guest is going to be. And that, of course, is Renee Thrasher, who it has the freaking coolest name possible. <laughs> she goes by Tart Darling everywhere, but I wouldn't I would. Not go by anything other than Thrasher. I'd have that tattooed on me for Christ's sakes. But uh, it's a great interview because Renee is a huge comic nerd as well. And it was cool because, I mean, Vince and I have done a lot of talking about our thoughts on the way that women are portrayed in comic books. But it's all well and good to say if you don't have the parts. And, well, Renee does. So it was fun to get her on the show to give her opinion on how she thinks it is. Because, again... To a certain degree, some of what we think, I don't want to say that it can be attributed to overcompensating and, and saying, well, it's, you know, it crosses lines. Whereas in some cases, some women will be more tolerant of it, having seen it for so many years kind of thing. So it was very interesting to get her take on what has been happening, especially lately in both the DC relaunch, because there's been quite a bit of press about that, as well as what's been going on in Marvel lately as well. So I'm going to play that interview for you guys right now. It's, it's like I said, it's quite good, except for the sound quality. Please don't hate me too much. I did the best <laughs> that I could with that. And then on the flip side, we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about what we've been reading as well as what's new for today. Well, over the last few weeks, we've had a lot of things to say about the DC New 52. And myself particularly, I honed in on a lot of their portrayals of some of their female characters. And overall, I found it not good. So I've been sharing uh, my thoughts with a few people, and I've really been enjoying the conversation I've been having with one of our friends. So I decided, who better to talk about female characters in comic books than an actual female? So, they read so, comics? We I do know. exist, I promise. So brought in a uh, extended member of our podcasting family, the wonderful Renee, but she doesn't like being called that. So we're just going to go with Tart Darling. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good, other than being sick. How are you? Well, I'm talking, so. <laughs> and Roger's being quiet, so it's a pretty good night. <laughs> Roger, quiet? What? Shh, don't wake him. <laughs> oh, he's just passed out from the medicine. Got it. <laughs> I'm here, and damn it. thank you for your contribution <laughs> to the episode. <laughs> That's all you're getting. So we're just going to dive right in and start off on the DC side of things with, of course, the character that really started this whole thing, and that's Starfire. Uh, anybody who hasn't read the <laughs> article I wrote on the website, I severely disagreed with just about every decision in the writing and the art. So what did you think of Starfire, Tart? I pretty much echoed your thoughts on it. It it takes a hell of a lot to offend me, and that was borderline offensive. So uh, it's glad to know that I'm, I'm at least able to slightly know what women are thinking. That, You're that's in a... touch with your feminine side is what it boils down to. <laughs> when I call you Nancy, it's actually accurate. Hey. South Beach, man. You just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> so was there anything really in particular that stood out to you as being the most egregious thing in there? Oh God, where to start? Um, probably the, well, the artwork for one. I mean, mm -hmm. that entire book was an excuse to draw Starfire in as little clothing as possible. Um, but the fact that other than screwing the other characters, she didn't do anything. She did she people. a couple tanks. <laughs> yeah, but that was minimal at best. I mean, I know that there wasn't a ton of action in that book other than the opening sequence, but 
I mean, still, it was her job to just stand around and look pretty. And well, she was brought in as a sex kitten, basically, is all it was. Yeah. A very loose one, too. Pretty much. Well, given that she couldn't even tell the guys apart, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think you, you nailed it perfectly there when you talked about um, the way she was portrayed on the page. Like, it's one thing to have a female character in, you know, a, a revealing outfit, but it's all about how you portray them in that outfit. And every single panel Starfire was in was a pinup pose of one form or another. She she wasn't doing the thing she was doing for the scene. It was she was doing it for the reader, which is definitely the wrong way to go about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even the pose where she's like toweling off. No one towels off like that. Ever. Damn it. <laughs> Sorry to ruin your fantasies there. You should keep a bingo chart of fantasies that are going to be ruined tonight for us. <laughs> you could probably ruin them all just in reading the Red Hood one. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Well, maybe we won't ruin everything. So we're going to move on to another one of your favorite characters, at least from what uh, you've told me, and that's Batgirl. And what was your biggest problem with Batgirl, I think, was not the fact of the comic itself, but more who was in the costume, right? Yeah, I've never been much of a Babs fan. Um, not at all, even remotely. Um so having gone from the Stephanie Brown Batgirl, who I really enjoyed, to someone that, I mean, most of that book felt like she had no personality at all. She was just there to whine. Mm -hmm. What was it exactly about Stephanie that made her such an engaging character, though? I liked that she had kind of that sense of humor. And if she screwed something up, she screwed something up and just was, oh, well, and kind of went up went on about her business rather than, oh God, I messed up and the world is going to end and just over being over dramatic with everything. But it's a Batman themed comic. Everybody has to be brooding and angry. But not Batgirl. Those are supposed to be the lighter kind of touch. Like the bad guys aren't, I won't say quite as bad, but not as disturbing. It felt it felt like putting Batgirl in a Frank Miller Batman is really what it felt. And it just seemed so out of place. And comparing it to any of the other Bat titles, it was one of the more graphic of them. I, up there with Detective Comics and even Batwing. I, I'd, I'd say it's it's uh, up amongst those two for in the top three spots, which, yeah, I, I don't know if that would be an appealing Batgirl comic necessarily. Yeah, I kind of take Batgirl as, yeah, she's supposed to be younger. Um, so why focus the comic in such an adult way as far as the graphic violence and stuff like that? I mean, I have no problem with it. I love blood and guts and horror movies as much as the next person. But in a title where your main character is a teenager, it just kind of reeks of not necessarily appropriate. Yeah, there's no balance. I'd say overall with DC, but especially in the Bat line, there isn't that upbeat Batgirl comic to really balance out the more darker stuff that in all the other ones. Yeah, and even if they would have had the comic itself be dark, but she still had that personality and still kind of joked around and did the wisecracks to lighten it up, it could have added that balance. But having her be so kind of overdramatic and brooding and then adding in all of the blood and guts to it it just seemed kind of out of sync with how batgirl's been before but okay. it's completely in sync with what we're seeing with the new 52 right now really out of all of them how many can you point to and say they they did have a lighter feel to them because for the majority of them they were far far more serious than dc has been as of late and to the point of being much edgier as well with a lot of them like you mentioned detective comics obviously that's one of them batwing and there were a lot of other ones too animal man too i'm sorry that was creepy as hell yeah and so that it appears that that's something that they made a decision that okay we're relaunching now we're gonna be all emo and take our 
ourselves way too seriously and it has to be serious it has to be much more intense it has to be more brooding and things like that and much more graphically violent as well at least that's what i took from from many of the titles not all but a lot of them yeah it it did seem to feel like dc kind of sat back and went okay we're going to prove you know that comics are for adults too and just not have that middle ground and try to be so adult with every title but you've got to have something to balance out well i think it it falls back on on again we talked about that before how they had such a problem with the continuity and keeping the characters in line with who they used to be and who they wanted them to be now and whatnot and it seems like with a lot of the characters they they missed the ball in terms of what we would have liked them as fans to to hold on to at least in some cases and that's certainly something with this too it like it really bums me out that we're not going to have an oracle at least not for quite some time who knows what's going to happen later on kind of thing uh if something if they decide to to kind of retcon into the story and go back to making her into a, a type of oracle after something else happens but that really bums me out and and that allowed the portrayal of a very strong female character just in a different way and now it's a lot again it it's something that i saw something taken away from a strong female lead character stripped away from her so again it's it's one of those where they they took something away that really wish they wouldn't have in in this case yeah i i agree completely i did not mind barbara as oracle i thought it was a very well written character and i thought her personality finally started to come out And after a while as Oracle, she kind of came into herself and it was actually entertaining to read. But taking away those elements of Oracle, just she's back to kind of being boring. And I don't really, I don't really care. Like if I pick up a book, you know, um, Joe's still keeping that series on his pull list because he decided to give it a few more issues. But I flipped through the second, and it was just even... Just, just giving a lot of <laughs> yeah. issues a try that we've yeah. given up on already. Yeah, my my poll list for DC went from... I read almost all of the 52. I think there was a couple that I didn't... To, I think I only decided to keep, like, three titles. That was it? Something like that? Not a good batting average. No, not at all. <laughs> well... I hate to bring this one up because I despised it. Catwoman. What what exactly <laughs> what exactly happened there? <laughs> because the way just, that was just a hot mess. The, the the exact term I used to describe it was a bad fan fiction. It was, and it was borderline creepy. I mean, towards the end there, Catwoman started to sound kind of like a rapist. It was a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> and again there there's a place for sex in comics and honestly as a catwoman comic isn't a bad place for it but it's all in the way it's portrayed and there was nothing in that scene with batman and we're ignoring the dozens of pages before that where she's got various body parts just hanging out of her costume for no apparent reason it just it, there was no sense to it it was just yeah, creepy. <laughs> I think that's the best way I've heard it described. Yeah, and, and it really was. I mean, just some, if that was reversed and it was a guy saying that line of, well, she always says no, but then she <laughs> yeah. always says yes. I mean, seriously? They would have gotten called out into the streets on that one. Exactly. And, oh, it was just, it was disturbing. Like <laughs> Yeah, but this is along the lines of what we'd been talking about as well with the them trying to give these villains comic series of their own and that we're supposed to care for them. And I'm sorry, but Catwoman is fine as a, a pseudo-intellectual, interesting character, not intellectual, <laughs> interesting <laughs> character um, when she shows up in, in various Batman series, sometimes, though not all the time. Um, but to give her her own series, I think you're really, really stretching it. The character is not that deep. There's really not much to her. She's shallow as hell. And the only time she's interesting 
is in those few interactions with Bruce. So to try to force an issue out of that character, I think, is really difficult. And it's the same thing as uh, I felt with, with Deathstroke and with Suicide Squad, though in a different kind of way. But again, you're trying to make us care about this character that is in her case completely shallow completely full of herself and then this other stuff as well and then on top of that over sexualizer which they always did do but this was just again way over the top and i i, I could give a rat's ass i have absolutely if you ever tell me i need to read some for the show i'm not reading them i've got no interest at all <laughs> No matter how much I say, it's it's the greatest thing ever written. <laughs> Not going to happen. If you say that, Vince, and it's a Catwoman with some of these writers, I may just, you know, fly to Florida and punch you. <laughs> I can only imagine some of the Drew's Joe's sporting men. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, that was an interesting debate because, oddly, he didn't mind Catwoman at all. And I was just like... You know, I'm kind of holding on the I may break up with you over this. <laughs> I think especially because Red Hood and Catwoman both came out on the same day. And maybe, you know, as an isolated issue, you can kind of pass it off. Yeah. But it's it started showing this trend developing amongst the whole DC line. And that's that's when it really became a thing. It's like, okay, once you notice this one, you notice that one. And then you start picking up on all these other little threads that they've got going on. And I think that's what really brought the whole new 52 down was taken as a whole it really failed on a lot of fronts yeah and i think that catwoman in and of herself in the hands of the right writer it could have been really good i mean it could have been you know very black widow or black catish and i think it could have been very interesting depending on how they did the story but it was kind of like they didn't have any idea how to make a strong female character that's sexy without being a total slut. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really what bothered me. I was really looking forward to Catwoman and kind of hoping that they had a good writer on it. And it just it fell so short. I mean, even within the opening pages, I get that you're trying to portray that the character is very sexy, but there's a better way to do it than showing you two boob shots and her ass in black leather before you ever see her face. That's an excellent observation. Well, moving on to what I'm hoping is going to be slightly more positive because I didn't find anything really uh, egregious with it. And that was Birds of Prey, which is one you said you wanted to bring up. Was that a, a thumbs up or a thumbs down? That was definitely a thumbs up for me. That was one of the ones that wound up staying on my list. Um, I have the second issue. I just haven't flipped through it yet. Yeah, but uh, okay, let me ask you this. Is it on your pull list because you found that the characters were um, better defined and better written or because you were also enjoying the story? Because I found that the characters were far better in terms of they were better written. They still weren't that interesting. I actually found them better more interesting before though i wasn't crazy about the art before but i found the inter the story actually quite dull um the story seemed a little wonky in that first issue um but at least by the end of it i kind of wanted to see where it went it started to get interesting at the end of the issue for me and i was actually looking forward to the next issue and i guess some of it when it comes to dc I was really looking forward to the 52 because I didn't read a lot of DC. Um, for me, a lot of the comic stuff is the style of the artwork and I'd never really liked DC's artists. So I was willing to give them a shot on a lot of the comics because I didn't know the backstory. I couldn't tell you, you know, most of the 52 characters, I couldn't have even told you their backstory. So for me, I don't have anything to compare it against on Birds of Prey, knowing, you know, any kind of a history, knowing what the character was like before. And I thought that they were really well written and the characters were interesting. So I was kind of willing to give the story a shot, knowing that, you know, most number ones, they're not exactly the most interesting in the world because it's so much backstory. 
All right. Well, yeah, I, I found it enjoyable. Uh, it's not a uh, monthly read, but, you know, maybe a couple months from now, I'll check in again and see where it's going because I, I did like the characters. I, again, I'm like you, even though I've read DC, I don't have that much experience with the Birds of Prey themselves. Uh, I know who Black Canary is, but outside of that, the, I got nothing. So it, w it was okay for me. And a lot of the DC comics were okay. Yeah, well, I'm kind of wondering, too, I thought about it after the fact that I wonder if one of the other reasons why I liked it so much is because it did have female characters that were decently written as opposed to so many of the others. Mm -hmm. they, they were tough, but, you know, not ludicrously, you know, it wasn't a dark story like we saw in Batgirl, but the girls still got their chance to, you know, kick some ass, have some fun. And it did seem like that was kind of the, the lighthearted tone that we would have liked out of maybe the Batgirl comic. Yeah, and I, I do kind of wonder if, you know, maybe some of the reason why why I like it is because the others were so bad that it may not be great, <laughs> but it seems so amazing compared to the others. Yeah, I know that feeling. All right, uh, as for Wonder Woman, I know I was a little harsh on Wonder Woman at first because I had read it basically right after Red Hood and Catwoman. So a lot of the more risque scenes stood out to me. Then when I went back later to reread it, it didn't bother me as much. But that's me. How did how did you like it? Um, I kind of did the same. Um, I thought that, you know, at first it was a little, okay, you're going to put one, one of the central people in the story in her underwear for the entire time. Okay. And, of course, you know, I was a little sad to see that Wonder Woman was back in her weird bikini bottoms as opposed to the pants, which I actually rather liked. Um, but giving it a second read through, I was able to kind of see a little bit more. I actually did like the story on it. And that's another one of the ones that I'm keeping. I can't really say too much about the character though, because she didn't really have any in that issue, unfortunately, but story wise. Yeah, it was, it was decent. Yeah. Yeah, I did like the story on that one. And yeah, the second time around, some of it didn't bother me. I still thought it was a little weird that she went through the effort of tying the sheet into a dress only yeah. to drop it like the next <laughs> panel. But hey. And like we mentioned uh, when we were discussing the 52 altogether, I like that they modeled her as an Amazon. And yes, yeah, she she has curves where a woman should have curves, but it wasn't overly accentuated. She had that more athletic build that you can make sexy in certain situations, but it doesn't always have to be on display. Yeah. <laughs> and I saved this one for last because we're going to have an interesting discussion here, I feel. And that was Suicide Squad. And there were two characters in this one that were bothersome. And I'm actually going to start off with the latter of the two because she only showed up for that one panel, but it was an uproar caused by that one panel. And that was Amanda Waller. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Because for years, Amanda Waller has been the best term anybody can use to describe her was statuesque. You know, she wasn't a, a typical comic book character figure. But that was OK, because, first of all, who says every woman has to look like that? And second of all, it added so much to her personality. She looked like someone who could stand up to Batman and mean it. And it, it her her appearance in the comics, I think, really accentuated her personality and vice versa. So when we get supermodel Waller, I don't know if it's going to have the same effect, even if the character is the same. Yeah, I, I kind of did not agree with that one at all. Um, that last panel, I believe there was a stream of cussing that followed <laughs> my reading it just because I mean, anybody in that position of power, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. I can buy, being attractive and being Amanda Waller. That wouldn't have necessarily bothered me so much. But really, our first introduction, she's supposed to be this powerful, badass character. And our first introduction is a look down her top. I don't buy that somebody with her kind of authority and her personality would wear something that, you know, you're basically got her entire bra hanging out of her shirt. I don't buy it. And again, it was posed entirely for the reader. Exactly. And it just, it seemed so fake and didn't go with the character at all. Well, it wasn't the character. It was someone completely different. 
I mean, it just they they completely remodeled her. It it made no sense. Yeah, it it didn't to me either. I just kind of looked at it like, really, really DC. You can't even have the one character that's not, you know, a supermodel and has her boobs on display. Not even one. And the one character in their entire catalog that would be the more realistic, let's say, is gone now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But in the same issue, we also had the new Harley Quinn with her <laughs> display. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good word for it. <laughs> I, I can't say we got much of Harley's character in this one, but again, I, it didn't it didn't affect me as much as a lot of the others, just because there wasn't that much of it in this issue. Yeah, and Suicide Squad was one that I stuck with. Um, what? I know that I did. I <laughs> oh my god, I actually did not mind it, other than the very obviously different Waller. Um, I actually kind of liked it, but I'm that person that I would be fine reading a comic book about the bad guys. I have no problem with that so long as they're well done. And I think even with Harley in that second issue, her personality came out a little bit more and she was damn funny. See, I'm glad you said that because I actually did read the second issue also on a recommendation and I also really enjoyed it. And okay, the, the character model, it is what it is. But I really liked the way Harley was written. Like in the first issue, all we got of her was, oh, she's all sad without her man. That, that's what it came across in the first issue. But in the second issue, she was back to that fun-loving, just borderline Crazy. ditzy, you know, <laughs> but, but not in a bad way. Just that endearing character that even though she's beating people with a sledgehammer, you can't help but smile. Exactly. I mean, it's hard to not like a character who's still funny is just smashing people to death with the sledgehammer and squeeing about zombies. I mean, how do you not <laughs> like that character? Yeah, the, the comic may not appeal to everyone, Roger, but I'm not going to say it's, oh, you have to buy it, you have to read it, but it was enjoyable, which is more than we can say about a lot of the DC comics that we got. Yeah, that, that was my feeling on it, too. I, If anything, I actually really like how Harley's being written, and she's one of the reasons why I'll keep picking up that one. I mean, I wish that they would have done a little bit more of King Shark's just, I'm a shark and going to rip your arm off. <laughs> that was hilarious. King Shark is the greatest character ever. Right? But I actually really like how Harley's done. And I can kind of forgive the, the outfit because the character is still done well. Now, before we move away from DC, I do want to throw one more out there, and it's something I just read a couple days ago, and that was Huntress, uh, the first issue of her miniseries. And I would say, uh, as far as the female portrayal in the comic, I would put it on par with Birds of Prey. Very well handled. She kicked some ass, but she's, you know, they actually didn't change her costume at all, which is shocking to me. And she wears a very, you know, form-fitting outfit, but nothing ludicrous. And... I liked it. The story was good. It made her a strong character, even if it's a story we've seen time and time again, usually starring the Punisher. <laughs> but I'll buy it with Huntress. And I, I think uh, among my personal feelings about the, the females in DC, I think Huntress is one of the better ones they've done. Yeah, I, I haven't picked up Huntress. It was on my list because I had a friend that I was you know, raging about some of the other characters, too. And he said that he was actually expecting Huntress to be one of the more poorly written and kind of skank filled books. And so he had said that he was pleasantly surprised that she wasn't and that she was so well written. Um, I just my store was sold out of it. So I'm waiting for him to get some more issues in for me. But it's definitely on my list because I heard such good things about it. So basically, we can sum up DC with a whole lot of gag-inducing female characters with a few, I don't even want to say standouts, but a few reasonably okay interpretations. Yeah, I think I think out of all of them, really the only character that I honestly enjoy and think is good is, is Harley. She's yeah. the only one that I really liked out of all of them. And you see, she, she's maintaining that, you know, she can be a, 
an interesting, sexy character without being over the top with it and being a character that female readers will enjoy without having sex with Batman. Exactly. And I did like the fact that even in that second book, she tells them, you know, I'm not as stupid as you guys think. I was a psychiatrist. <laughs> Which, yeah, forgot about that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> now, you've been much like me and you're a Marvel girl and I'm a Marvel girl, too. So <laughs> <laughs> OK, that's going to become the opening from now on. <laughs> <laughs> And you said you've really liked a lot of the Marvel female characters. And one of the you kept pointing out time and time again was the amazing Spider-Girl. What makes Spider-Girl and the other Marvel characters more endearing to you than their DC counterparts? I think that on a whole, Marvel has a better grasp of what female readers would want. Um, and especially with Spider-Girl, she's smart and she's still funny. And the costume, you know, there's obviously no issues there. It's kind of your standard superhero bodysuit. But I feel that in a lot of the panels, she's portrayed a lot more realistically. Yeah, she's still, you know, curvy and kind of has that typical superhero shape, but it's not obscene it's not overdone it's a lot more realistic you know girls got some thighs on her like it's not just oh here's all the boobs and she's got this you know little itty bitty waist and just nothing realistic she seems very proportionate and especially for the fact that you know she's latina and i'm sorry i'll be honest we're just built like that like <laughs> <laughs> And also in the, the camera angles and the art, at least from what I've read of Spider-Girl, which is admittedly not much, I'm not seeing much of that. Let's park the camera directly behind one of her butt cheeks for, for this scene. Yeah, and and there is that. I mean, even, you know, in this last run from the miniseries from Spider-Island, she's still standing up to Kingpin and, you know, telling him what exactly he can do with his opinions. And I like that. She's still kind of has that sense of honor that's typical with the spider characters. And she's just, you know, very strong. But even some of the, the covers where there's nothing that's overtly sexy about them. You know, I've had friends that have said, wow, that's, you know, that character's kind of hot. Mm -hmm. And that's, that I think is the key to it that I think that Marvel's kind of picked up on that you can have these characters that are still strong and are still intelligent and still kind of funny. And that sexiness just comes through without you having to pose them. And that kind of leads into the next character <clears throat> and <laughs> we're coming back <laughs> next character. And since ever since you mentioned her that you wanted to talk about her, I've been like, I really want to know this. What makes black cat a good character for you? Whereas Catwoman wasn't. I think that, I mean, even back to, you know, the superheroes having sex, there was, you know, very obviously Peter Parker and Black Cat. But even in that run, it seemed appropriate and not just fan fiction-y like Catwoman felt. And I think Black Cat is one of the few that she's definitely, you know, one of Marvel's sexy characters. And... You know, she's got even a vaguely similar costume to Catwoman and it's always unzipped and, you know, it just has that more she's about the sex kind of attitude, but it's not entirely who she is. There's still a personality behind it. There's still a character behind it. That's just part of it. And that's what works for me. I can I can handle, you know, my superheroes banging, whatever. But so long as it doesn't seem like it's forced into the character and that's all that the character is. All right. I'll go with you on that because I, I just Black Cat has never been one of those characters for me. And she's OK. She's there. She shows up. I, I more enjoy her on the clock interactions with Peter than anything <laughs> else they've had going on. Uh, so just like we said with Catwoman, she's much more interesting when she's working with Batman. 
on on the clock again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. No. And I'm I'm the same way. I do prefer her, you know, working with Peter Parker than just on her own. But you know, I've been known to buy the shorter runs of her stuff. That's just her kind of more of her story because the character doesn't bother me at all. Okay. And then Marvel just has a lineup of a whole bunch of female characters that you've really liked. You said Valkyrie, uh, Thor girl. I know you love your Thor girl. Oh, I love my <laughs> Thor girl. I'm sorry, Roger. <laughs> and then a lot of the girls in the Avengers Academy as well. And just like you said, overall, you feel Marvel has a grasp on the female characters, like you said, right? Yeah, they they just seem to kind of know that you can have characters that are sexy without that being all that they are. Their characters still, I mean, Valkyrie will still knock some heads. And, you know, it was even, I think, in Avengers Academy where they leave her to teach the class and she's, you know, starts going into the whole spiel about sex. And they're like, wait, no, you can't do that. So how about a Marvel character that pretty much is nothing but their sexual appearance? And that's going to be, say, Emma Frost. How does that character strike you? Um, yeah, she she tends to get on my nerves um, a lot more often than she doesn't, which oddly, she's still a character that I like. I get the fact that she's the the bad girl and, you know, that that's kind of all that she is. But it's still not one that it doesn't induce that rage that some of the DC ones did. <laughs> like for me, Emma, she kind of has that same role that Starfire did back in the Teen Titans, where Starfire was very open with her everything. And she yeah. used a lot. She used a lot of that just to make Dick uncomfortable. <laughs> and yeah. I, I get I get a lot of that from Emma, how she does a lot of the things she does just to kind of poke at because Scott she can. a bit. Yeah. Not not necessarily because she wants to jump into bed with all the guys. She might. I don't know. But more because she just enjoys making Cyclops be uncomfortable. Yeah. And I, I think that that's, you know, kind of also why I don't mind her. Because, I mean, I've known some girls like that, that you know them and you talk to them and that's, you know, they're not sleeping with everyone. And but at the same time, They'll definitely turn on the charm and turn on the flirting, especially if they know that they're going to make someone uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like that's just, you know, kind of their kick. And I could see that it still falls in the realm of, you know, as realistic as you can be in, you know, a superhero. But it just doesn't feel overly fake. Like there's some scenes where it goes over the top and I'm like face palming and just really. Oh, come on. Anytime she walks into a scene and it's a grown woman in lingerie, it's fake. It's been forced (laughs) and it's just the writers and the artists who are basically trying to appeal to all of the young pubescent boys is all it is. It's the, it's the worst writing possible. And then, I mean, you get something like our, our new target now is Lori in Generation Hope, Transonic. And Vince, you got your wish because you were saying, why is she even bothering with clothes? Guess what? At least She's they explained. not anymore. <laughs> She's not. No. Apparently, if you're blue, you don't need clothing anymore. There is a shot of her in Regenesis where, of course, they got to take the shot angle from the back. And it's basically just her ass. And there's no costume. Her skin is blue. So I guess that means if your skin is a different color than the norm that we have, then you're right. If your skin is purple, go ahead. Strip. You can show your ass cheeks and not have to worry about it. Well, didn't you know that the blue just means that, you know, you don't feel anything? So you don't have to have the costume. It doesn't protect anything. Yeah, but there's still a ratings on the freaking thing. Like, I mean, look at even, I think it was Generation Hope 11 or 12. Some of the the shots, 11, is like, oh my God, you're absolutely kidding me, right? And then, of course, Regenesis is, it's it's just, they, they point blank gave up. It's like, okay, well, we've snuck in this, she doesn't wear clothes slowly, and okay, now she doesn't wear anything. I just love how in uh, Generation Hope 12, Rockslide flat out walks up to her and asks her the same question we've all been asking. <laughs> and I, I don't want to say it was done well. I just found it hilarious that he asked the question. 
that's their way of getting away with it, though. And the same thing with Emma's outfit and trying to make sense of it. No, I'll bleep that out. But it, come on, that's not what you're doing. You're you're just writing, trying to to justify why you're just writing like horny pervs is all you're doing. And it's like, come on, I. I'm a freaking grown man. This is stupid. And not just that, but Lori's still a freaking kid. I'm sorry, but no, this ain't right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's not to say, oh, Marvel's the greatest and DC is ruining everything. Both companies have a ways to go. Just, yeah. I, again, the perception is that one is handling it better than the other. Not to say that it's perfect, but one is at least a step ahead in, in doing the right thing. Yeah, and that was, you know, that was one of the discussions that I actually got into um, with Joe on the big debate because he said, well, you know, a lot of the DC ones, it just feels like, you know, a reboot and they're going back to the beginning and that's how comics were, you know, in the 90s. Well, we're not in the 90s anymore. And I think that that's... What does the 90 have to do with it? Where, yeah, where, did, where did he pull that decade out of his ass from? Because <laughs> I'm I'm not sure. Maybe when comics really have been st- around a lot longer than that. Well, yeah, but you've got to figure age wise, Raj. He was probably just starting to read most of them in the '90s. Yeah, but he's the, the DC universe doesn't rotate around him. <laughs> like, well, I know, but you're generally going to reference when you start reading them. Um, but you know that was my thing. You know, what does that matter? But Especially if you're going to call back to what's widely regarded as the worst decade in the history of comedy. (laughs) Right? But it it just seems like, you know, that's not an excuse that, oh, well, this is the way that it's always been done. Doesn't mean it can't be better. Exactly. And it, it just feels like overall with the two that DC went, okay, well, this is the way that it's always been done. So that's the way we're going to keep doing it. Where at least it feels a lot of times like Marvel's going, okay, well, this is the way that it's always been done. And if we're too drastically different, you know, the people who've been reading comics forever are going to hate that because they're used to it. But we can kind of slowly change some things and they may be okay with it as long as we give them little concessions. So I'm fine with Emma Frost being fan service because that's what she is. Okay. Well, I really want to thank you for for joining us here. It's it was great to get your your point of view on a lot of these things because Roger and I can say things until we're blue in the face, but at the end of the day, we're both still guys. So some people might not take us seriously in that regard, <laughs> as if they take us seriously at all ever. So really, just seriously. really, you I sure about that? About that? <laughs> people respect me. It's you they don't like. <laughs> Oh, Roger. <laughs> so again, just thanks for coming on, and we hope to have you back uh, in the future to not just touch up on some of these subjects, but there's plenty of comics out there that don't have girls as their fantastic, you know, their their cover, their main focus that you love as well, and uh, we hope to bring you back to talk about some of those later. Anytime, because Lord knows I spend enough at the comic shop every week. <laughs> All right, we're back. Let's talk now about what we've been reading lately. What have you been up to? Well, uh, God, what was it? Two weeks ago, Fear Itself finally finished up. And my goodness, <laughs> when, when, it, when they announced like issue six, issue seven, I was like, I forgot this thing was going on. But I, I soldiered through just because I had to. <laughs> and it, it's really disappointing because they had what could have been a good story in there with the fear angle, uh, both for the heroes and just for the regular people as well. And that's what I liked so much about the first issue was that it brought the citizens of the Marvel universe kind of gave them a role in the story and then completely forgot about them for six and a half issues until at the end of issue seven, they finally decided they're not going to be afraid anymore and stand up for themselves. And everybody loses, you know, the serpent loses his power. It was stupid. I later found out that the whole people standing up for themselves was part of a seven issue tie in. I didn't even read. So, I mean, it was so much potential just fell flat on its face and it was just big and loud and really had no point other than to kill off a few people. And it, it was, really disappointing for a storyline that could have been so much better i'm really i'm not in a rush to read it at all and it's it's 
Unfortunately, it's a series that I think I'm probably going to have to read just so that I'm up on the continuity ah, and everything. Wikipedia. Yeah, but it's, it's if, <laughs> if I do decide to read it, it's going to be one of those where I feel I have to muscle through it, not really read it for the enjoyment. And that's, that's disappointing. And I just got to throw it out there. If you're going to do a big epic battle between Thor and the serpent, it has to be at least as good as the one Walt Simonson did 25 years ago. <laughs> and it wasn't. Sorry. Uh. Um, beyond that, I actually don't ask me why, but I did. I checked out the new miniseries that was coming out of Fear Itself, The Fearless. And God help me, I actually really liked it. <laughs> I saw you Twitter about that, and I was just shaking my head saying, oh, dear Lord, don't make me because, read that. <laughs> no, it, it, it takes what Fear Itself was this huge, over-the-top, you know, big event story. At least so far through the first issue of The Fearless, it seems to be focusing itself down. And it's just Sin, the Red Skull, and Valkyrie are both looking for the hammers that are remaining and um, that got left behind when everybody lost their powers. Like Valkyrie, she's a, one of the secret Avengers and she actually had to stand up to Captain America and kicked War Machine's ass <laughs> because they didn't want her going after the hammers. But, you know, she felt as an Asgardian, it was her duty to secure them. So it, it seems like it's going to be a much smaller perhaps character focused story which i enjoyed the first issue which i read it right after fear itself which i was like this is garbage i was like oh man now i gotta read this thing well maybe it was just by comparison it wasn't as bad yeah, see, we'll see uh, second issue came out today <laughs> that's like reading the stuff during our, our mad month of the relaunch <laughs> for for dc like even bad comics in comparison weren't as bad and were enjoyable compared to the horrendous ones so uh and see the new one just came out too today the shame itself which <laughs> come on people who came up with these names too jeez but that's the one with the thor with his little bunny slippers yeah <laughs> uh beyond that um was it? about a month ago we completely trashed mark millar for uh kick-ass right oh yeah well he has another comic currently coming out called superior which has been phenomenal uh issue six just came out last week i think uh, it's the next to last issue in the miniseries and it's just a really good story um the main character is this little kid with multiple cirrhosis and he gets a space monkey grants him his one wish it, just go along with a it and monkey. a space monkey yeah it's explained later in the story i don't want to ruin it i don't think you can explain a space monkey <laughs> I don't think actually <laughs> I can, <laughs> but I don't want to ruin it. And so he becomes um, the Superman for his little world, uh, a fictional superhero character. But he actually becomes him in real life. And the first few issues were really cool. You know, suddenly he finds himself in this body that can do things that his body couldn't. And then where they are in the story now, the power has been taken away from him. And just seeing how he reacts to going back to being essentially crippled it's been really good writing and it's telling a really interesting story i have to give as much hate as i gave mark millar last month i, I have to give him praise for this one now didn't you either write a review or talk about the first issue of superior yeah, way back you weren't actually that crazy about it no, if no, memory I, serves no i did really like it okay um and then it had a huge delay because the artist had to do uh, contractual obligations to deal with at Marvel. So okay. it's finally starting to come back out again. Uh, real quick, one thing I didn't read, uh, it came out today, and it was Action Comics number three. Not because of the comic itself. I'm still enjoying it. But because they raised the price by a dollar and added extra pages, but it didn't add extra content. <laughs> It's like promotional stuff for other Superman comics you should be reading. It's not even like an art gallery. It's freaking advertisements. They're charging you an extra dollar for ads. Good job, DC. Oh, for crying out loud. Seriously. I oh. <laughs> I love how the new 52 <laughs> gave him an excuse to drop that whole drawing the line at 299 thing they had going on. All right. Anything else? No, that's about all I got today. I actually got caught up on a couple of the... Um the new 52 as well i i haven't given up entirely although there's a lot of them that i'm not reading right now but again i i do like i i like batman i want to keep reading the titles hoping that they'll all pick up kind of thing i read the 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 second batman and robin which i must say actually was better than the first one but that's primarily because 
There's very little of Damien in it. <laughs> Even the few panels he's in there, he's an annoying little bastard that you want to schmuck. But it's mainly Bruce. And I like. I love the little bit between him and Bruce and uh, Alfred, though. Yes. He did an acceptable yes. job. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like what's going on with Alfred being a little bit more involved. So that's kind of cool. I also like, I like this different side of Bruce as father and wanting to take responsibility for his son and things like that. I, I like seeing that that's kind of been very cool myself again, being a parent. So I, I like seeing that, how he's handling different certain situations also because of how, well crippled he is as a man there's so much wrong with him and to see him trying to be the stand-up father is is very interesting and especially his take on parenting and then having alfred you know ever so subtly correcting him and then trying to teach him what how a real parent would handle certain situations is, is comedy gold you can't you can't uh, deny that and then i read uh the second justice league as well and I'm actually getting far more into that one now, like mm -hmm. quite a bit more. The more characters they introduce, the more interesting it's becoming. Not just that, but I'm really digging the new dynamics, character relationships and things like that. So they're not they're not that far off from what it was before within reason uh, but I'm I'm really liking what they're doing and again it's part of it is in comparison to everything else this really shines <laughs> so it's a, a sliding curve here I think that if if it was just dropped in the DC continuity before the relaunch then I wouldn't feel nearly as strong about it. Mm -hmm. it it's cool it's an interesting concept going back to the roots and things like that but it, I mean it's nothing groundbreaking but as the relaunch title I am actually beginning to like that one more than just about everything else so far with the exception of the actual Batman which is still title. awesome. Yeah. So I <laughs> that second issue was freaking great. I think that that's basically it for me right now is Batman and Justice League, and and so far that's those are the only strong ones I'm seeing of the new Fifty Two. See, I'm still really liking you know the 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 dark line of titles, but again, that's just my personal taste. Yeah. So that's about it. So moving on to the new releases for today, we have Fearless number two, which you were just discussing. Shame itself number one. We've got Amazing Spider-Man 673. Now we've got the new X-Men tie-ins and whatnot too. We've got New Mutants number 33, the brand new, <laughs> brand new, uncanny X-Men number one. <laughs> we've got Hold on one second. X-Men number 20, which is a tie-in as well. And then X-23 number 16. Technically, this is the first time there's been an Uncanny X-Men number one. <laughs> when it launched back in the 60s, it was just X-Men, and then they changed the title. No way. Are you sure of that? Yeah. They, they, they started officially calling it Uncanny somewhere around issue 70. Okay, you know what? I'm going to edit this pause out because this is me on my iPad <laughs> because I have got it on here. Oh, it, the, on the cover frequently, they would say Uncanny X-Men, but the official title was just X-Men. Well, if it said on the title Uncanny X-Men, then it was Uncanny X-Men. What's the matter with you? That wasn't the official title, though. Yeah, I'm telling you. You just... Hold on one second here. I'm going to go... Because you look. Look at the, the first issue. It just I'm, says X-Men. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. And then just to make it look fancier, they started calling them the Uncanny X-Men. And they just started putting that on the title or on the cover. And they went, well, if it's on the cover, you might as well change the actual title. Yeah, you're right. It actually says the X-Men. Well, dang. Ain't that interesting. I mean, the, the whole concept of the relaunch is still stupid. Oh, it's absolutely stupid. <laughs> it is a brand new Uncanny X-Men number one. And what I hate, too, is, and we've said it before, like the new Wolverine is Wolverine and his X-Men. His X-Men or the X-Men? I can't remember now. The X-Men. Yeah. So you can't have two X-Men teams. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. They, they, <laughs> How many do it's they like, have right now anyway? This like, is technically three because there's the X-Men. Oh, yeah, there's that too. And see, Not that's, counting the spinoffs. <laughs> yeah. I uh, And, dude, so far I, I'm going to have to get caught up on them all because I'm not yet caught up on all of them. I haven't been reading the X-Men, Yeah, but I've caught up on the others. It's just I haven't been enjoying them. 
and I'm a huge X-Men fan. So the fact that I'm not enjoying them speaks volumes of what is going on with this whole okay, get ready to bleep cluster. And so <laughs> I, I'm really just not digging him. And then, of course, there's DC stuff right now. We've got a whole whack load of number threes that just came out. We've got Animal Man, Batwing, Detective Comics, Green Arrow, Hawk and Dove, um, Justice League International, Men of War, OMAC, Red Lanterns, uh, Action Comics, and Swamp Thing. Are you actually picking up any of those? Um, I was considering Action Comics, but no. But um, yeah, uh, Animal Man, Swamp Thing, I'm still really liking those two. Okay. All right. And then, of course, the, um, what was the other one I saw there? Oh, Joe the Barbarian is out in a hardcover. Oh, dude. Ooh. Ooh. I'm I'm be... going to have to check that one out. Yeah. I still haven't read it. I'm going to, are you serious? I thought I you haven't... had. No, you recommended it. I just never got around to uh, it. Dude. It's, it's, oh, it's so damn good. And to the point that I'm going to check on Amazon to see what the price is on the hardcover, because I would love it in hardcover. It's it's a, a, a very good self-contained story that you don't have to worry about tie-ins. You don't have to worry about, you know, continuing and all that. It's just in, in, in and of itself. And he did such a great Morrison, such a fantastic job with the writing that there's so many layers. To, we're not going to get into layers. <laughs> Damn it. I'm going to have to find that quote. <laughs> You're a complicated man. I got layers. I'm like an onion. Or an ogre. This is what but I'm a saying. Parfait. Everybody likes a parfait. <laughs> oh, thank God I'm still recording. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, the, there's so many layers to the story. And then the art was so phenomenal in it as well that, I mean, you look through and there's, there's so much information all over that you can see. It's, I can't praise it enough. So, yeah, folks, if you have not picked it up, definitely check out Joe the Barbarian, the hardcover. Support this because it's a fantastic miniseries. Dude, $17.50. I'm, I'm buying it for yeah. sure. I'm definitely, <laughs> definitely getting Oh, yeah, for sure. And then Irredeemable number 31 as well. You're still reading that one, right? Yeah. Uh, was it last week we had the, uh, in, uh, what was it called? Incorruptible, which is finally the first time the two comics have officially crossed over. It was friggin' awesome. <laughs> I'm going to have to, at some point, go back and pick up the uh, the back issues and get caught up on that one. Because I honestly have never read any, not a single issue. It's It's been very enjoyable. I don't want to say it's been great. Like, it's been pretty good. And it's had its high points and its low points. But it's been really enjoyable. Okay. And that's going to wrap the show up for tonight. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments or submissions or anything like that, you can send them to either Roger at or Vince at comicbookinformer.com. And you can find us, of course, on Twitter at CB Informer. With that, we'll see you guys next week. Oh, I thought you were using his. Why, Why aren't you using his? Joe won't let her touch it. Joe would let me touch it. Oh, God, that's so going in the outtakes. <laughs> oh, crap. Man. No, if I told him to set it up, he would. I just was using my laptop. Still outtakes. <laughs> crap. So, <laughs> he'd have to take I it think... out of the box first. Ah, we're still oh, with the that's outtakes. What you said? That's what you said. Well, he said he keeps his mic in his box, so. <laughs> This could go on. This is common gold. Keeping it in mind? I don't know. He said he wanted to keep it away from the kitty. (laughs) Well, that just sounds counterproductive. (laughs) Oh, look, Tweedledee and Tweedledum were trying to set up a mic. You know what, Roger? (laughs) You, sir, are a douche nozzle. I can leave it on loop as long as we have to. I have a feeling it'll have to play at least several times. You will not. <laughs> hey, I was trying to get everything set up. Roger! <laughs> you, sir, are a jackass. <laughs> Thank you.
With that, we'll be back next week at our regular time and everything. What am I saying? Regular. Yeah. Edit that up. You, you also <laughs> said it'll be available tomorrow to our live audience. <sighs> yeah, I guess that makes no sense now that we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. And with that, we're going <laughs> to... See, now I need to break, okay? <laughs> Give me a whole life. And with that, we're going to call it a wrap then for tonight. The, uh, see, it's just a natural reflex to I, say yeah. that. And with that, we're going to call it a wrap for tonight. Thanks. See, I can't even. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> you just want to record this when I'm not around. You know, write yourself a little script. Oh, man. <laughs>